Hey, Revolution Church, Pastor Jason here again. And I can't believe we are already halfway through the summer. It's been a great summer series so far, and I'm so excited to introduce our guest speaker for today. His name is Greg Sizemore, and he and his wife, Leilani, planted Creekside Church in the Dallas Hiram area several years ago out of our church planning network. Many of you might remember when I introduced him to our church in the fall of 2019. He then planted Creekside in 2020, and even through the COVID pandemic, has launched a very successful church. We have supported Greg and Creekside for many years and are truly excited about what God has already done and will continue to do through them. He is actually the very first church we launched out as a network, and we couldn't be more proud of the ministry God has built in Creekside Church. Greg is such a good friend of mine, and I'm honored to have him speak for us today at Revolution. So will you join me in welcoming Pastor Greg Sizemore to the stage? Come on, everybody. What's up, Revolution Church? Y'all feeling good? Awesome. Man, I love your pastor, love your church, love y'all's team. Um, y'all been such a blessing to me and my family for a long time. Like Jason said, we... Uh, we're kind of the firstborn out of our, our, uh, our, our network, so, and you guys were such a big part of that. Um, like he also said, we planted in September of 2019, which was not the ideal time to plant a church in hindsight, so 90% of the existence of our church has been you know, going through muddy water and chaos, but God has been insanely faithful to us, um, and I wanted to personally just say thank you. Um, I know most of the guys that have got up here over the summer have said the same thing, but I want to say it like your generosity uh, is changing the world. Like it's not just here locally. Um, it's literally multiplying and going all over the globe. So thank you for, for what you do. Continue to, to be faithful and know that when you give, God has taken that and he's, and he's multiplying. So excited to be in the word today. If you brought your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, this summer, you guys have been walking through uh, some of the parables of Jesus um, which is always a little intimidating as a communicator to, to try to preach one of Jesus's sermons because he's God in the flesh. And so I'm going to do my best and just let the power of his presence, the power of his spirit and the power of his word be present. So jump in with me, Matthew chapter 13. I'll start in verse one. It says that same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and he sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirty. Then he said this, he said, he who has ears, let him hear. And so he finishes his sermon right there. It was a really quick sermon. And it's interesting because it starts off by saying Jesus gathered a really large crowd, 
Like this is a, any communicator's dream, any pastor's dream, any church planner's dream. Like we love to speak in front of big crowds. That means God is moving and he's bringing you know, people in. We just sang about the God of the harvest. Like we love the more people, the, the better. But what's interesting is when Jesus starts teaching, he starts this parable. And to be honest with you, if you were sitting in that service and if I preached that 32nd message and said, if you have ears, let him hear. Amen. Thanks for coming. See you next week. You would have probably left a little underwhelmed because really it's he gave no context. He didn't share any funny stories. He didn't really like get you to lean in and have that one hook that just like sank in. He really told a really random story that probably didn't even make a bunch of sense. He talked about a sower. He talked about some seed. There was a few different types of soil that it fell on. One was a path. One was gravel. One was thorny. And he talked about a couple oppositions in there. And then he just ends with you who have ears can you hear? And so what's interesting is right after this, and I love this, we get a little insight to just the ministry of Jesus. So the disciples, they come up to him. And we do this actually in our church. I'm sure Jason and the team does this as well. We call it service evaluation time. So every Monday we meet as a staff and we walk through this tool called the four helpfuls list. And it's basically just a really simple tool. If you're a leader in the room and you lead teams, you can have this for free. It's a nice little tool. We call it the four helpfuls. Now I'm a words of affirmation guy. So I make sure my team knows it's not called the four hurtfuls, right? Because we're evaluating. You know, my wife says all the time, she's real big on language. We're not critiquing, we're evaluating, right? What's the difference? I don't know. Uh, but anyways, so we walk through these four columns. What was good about the service? What was bad about the service? What was wrong, right? We don't use the word bad. What was wrong? What was just a little off? What was confusing is the third column. And then the last one, was there anything missing? So what was good? What was bad? What was confusing? What was missing? And then we just evaluate. And, and it's normally a pretty encouraging thing. But I love this. The disciples, they come to Jesus and it's like they have this little staff meeting. In verse 13, it says, then the disciples came and they said to him, bro, why do you speak in parables. Like, why did you speak like that? The environment was amazing. The boat was right there. You sat down, the crowd, they all showed up. Like, man, we were passing out flyers for weeks and they finally showed up. The crowd was massive and you kind of gave a random talk, if I'm going to be honest. Why do you speak that way? Why do you speak to them in parables? It's like you're speaking in code. Like, we didn't even know what that meant. You talked about seed and you talked about these paths and the bird and the thorns and the gravel and the sun scorching. Like, where was the message? Where was the altar call? Where was the gospel? Where was, like, what, what were we trying to accomplish in this message? Listen how Jesus responds to them. Pick up with me in verse 11. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, 
The prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says this, and he quotes Isaiah here. He says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. Underline that in your scriptures. For these people's hearts have grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. With their eyes, they have closed But he says, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, I would heal them. But blessed are you for you see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. I'm gonna stop right there. So Jesus He said, to you it's been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. What an amazing thought that he says, the reason that I speak to them is because they don't understand. They don't hear. They can't see. But he says, but you've been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. I thought about the phrase, with great power comes great responsibility. Do you guys know who said that? Anybody? Uncle Ben. Look, I got a Spider-Man fan. That's actually true. But I wanted you to know that it's not Uncle Ben who came up with this. It wasn't, you know, Marvel that, that made this phrase make sense. This is a principle that you see all through Scripture, that those who have much, more will be given. Jesus even said in Luke 12 that when you've been given much, much is required. This is a principle, and he's talking about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And then it's interesting, he then quotes this Isaiah um, prophet, and he, and he speaks about how they don't understand that there's going to be a time where indeed they hear, but they never hear. They see, but they actually won't see. Their, their hearts have actually grown dull, that the reason why they can't see, and the reason why they can't hear, and the reason why these secrets of the kingdom of heaven aren't for them is because their hearts have grown dull, but then I love you see the patience, you see the kindness, you see the grace of Jesus even in this moment, because he wasn't just completely cutting them out. He was just speaking truth about the condition of their heart, that they weren't going to listen. It doesn't matter how good this message is going to be. It doesn't matter how powerful this presentation is. It doesn't matter how big the crowd actually is, because their heart condition is dull, and so they're not going to receive it. They're not going to see it. And for some of us in the room, we've actually been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you grew up in church and you've been listening to good preaching your whole life. Maybe you grew up in Rev Church and you've been listening to great preaching your whole life. These truths, these secrets, these powerful things of God that have been just presented to you that you can like have all you can eat. Great groups, great Bible studies, great resources, great kids ministry to raise your kids in the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. That's some of us. We've grown up in it and we're all about it. But there's also some of us in the room, if we're honest, maybe our hearts have actually grown a little dull. Maybe you're in the room today and life has been really, really hard, really, really difficult. Maybe there's circumstances that have happened in your life that have caused you to be kind of a dull-hearted person, and it's really hard for you to even listen. 
your heart might be dull to the point where you forgot what I've said already this morning, and it's just really hard for you to lean in and listen. And so, but the good news this morning is just like Jesus was kind, he was patient, he was gracious, and he says, there, there, there's hope because if you will listen and if you will lean in, if you will turn, he said, which is the word we use as preachers, this word repent, to if you're going this direction, just simply turn and lean into God, lean in a different direction towards God. If you will do that, Jesus says you'll be healed. So here's the big idea for today. And if you're a note taker, this is the one point I have. This is the one idea for the rest of our time together. Our experience of God and our influence in this world greatly depends on the conditions of our hearts. Our experience of God, our influence in this world greatly depends on the condition of our hearts. And so then Jesus goes on to explain what this parable actually means. And before I read what Jesus said, I just want to ask us to actually pray for a second. And I want you to pray just something really simple in your seat as I get ready to read the rest of the scripture. And I want you to pray something like this. Holy Spirit, give me eyes to see. Holy Spirit, give me ears to hear. Holy Spirit, prepare my heart to receive whatever it is that you want me to receive today. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, he talks about a sower. There's some seed, a couple different paths. One is a hard path. One is a gravel path. One has thorns. And then there's this good soil. And this is what he says. He says, hear then the parable. This is verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. So he finally explains what this message means. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and he snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path, the hard ground. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and proves to be unfruitful. As for the one who was sown in the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred, another 60, and another 30. And so this is a really simple message. This is a really simple parable that he's talking about this sower. This is anyone who is just simply sharing the word of God. Just the truth about Jesus, the truth about his scriptures, the truth about his life, his death, his resurrection, that the power of the gospel and just that the word of God so anyone who's willing to speak about Jesus, anyone who's willing to share the truth of God, they're the sower in the story. Then he talks about the seed. It's the word. It's the capital W word. I love in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word became flesh. This 
idea that when God speaks his word, universes are created. This powerful word of truth, this powerful word of knowledge that we have in the scriptures, the powerful word of the proclamation of Jesus. So the seed that we're throwing out is the word. And then these different grounds, he says, represents our hearts. And so what I want to do over the next few minutes, and and this is going to require some honesty. This is going to require a little bit of vulnerability. This is going to require maybe some self-awareness a little bit, and it's really uncomfortable. I wish I had like a really fun, funny talk for you today, but this is just me doing business with what God put on my heart to share it with you. And so it's, it's going to be serious for the rest of the time. But what I want us to do is just evaluate our hearts look at these types of hearts and say, where am I in this? What I don't want you to do is start thinking of other people's hearts as I'm saying this. Like, yeah, I know that person. Like, look internally for a little bit. I know it's awkward and I know it's hard. So don't think about, yeah, I know one of those hearts. Like, really look inside and say, Lord, search my heart. Like the prayer of David where he says, Lord, search my heart. And is there anything unrighteous in me? So this is that hard internal work that I want us to do for just a few minutes. Ground number one, heart number one was the path, and we're going to call this the hard heart. And I want to share just a couple conditions of the hard heart. A lot of times when your heart is hard, you find yourself bitter. Maybe you're closed off to the people around you. Maybe you kind of just feel cold and isolated. You don't like to be around a lot of people. You might even find yourself a little prideful, thinking you're better than other people. A hard heart typically isn't open to the things of God. There's a real rebellious spirit in a hard heart. They really don't want to hear what God has to say. They don't really want to hear how God wants to to steer them in a different direction. A little bit of rebellion, not wanting to hear the things of God. Uh, Maybe a hard heart often feels like a victim. You look at life and its circumstances and you really kind of just run through all the pain. You run through all the trauma. You're constantly feeling like people are out to get you. You're thinking that nobody is actually for you and that you're just, it is what it is. And you're a victim of just maybe God's wrath or maybe God's not even real. Or I don't know if he's a good dad who wants to give good gifts. I hear that preached all the time, but yeah, I'm not really feeling it. So maybe you feel like a victim. You might even be dogmatic and no longer even seeking truth. Maybe in a place where you feel like you know it all, you've heard it all before, you've decided who God is and how this works or who God isn't and how he doesn't work. And so maybe you're just completely closed off and don't want to hear anything that God has to say. That's the path. When the word of God falls on that type of heart, that's the bitterness, the coldness, the isolation. There's barriers just from keeping God's word actually from coming in. And we'll talk about how the enemy uses that heart here in just a minute. But I want to talk about ground number two. This is the rocky ground. This is the the gravel ground. I'm going to call this the shallow heart. And some conditions of the shallow heart is we love the, the path of least resistance meaning I want all the fruit, I want all the gain, I want everything that God has for me, but I want to get it very quickly. This is that instant gratification type of personality. 
probably not super disciplined, maybe can even be lazy. We want all that the world has, but we don't really want to do the hard work to get there. We're not disciplined, maybe even lazy. Short-term focus, easily distracted, always jumping from one thing to the next. We just get bored very easily. We want the next new cool thing, the next new exciting thing. It's like, yeah, that sounds cool, but it takes a lot of work to get there, not really in the long game. If it doesn't like grab me right away, I'm just gonna move to the next thing. And so this is that type of ground that maybe heard the gospel and received it really quickly, got really excited about the things of God. Gospel was amazing and just wrecked you, probably brought you to tears. Oh my gosh, there's a God who loves me. There's a God who receives me. There's a God who wants me. Yeah, give me all of Jesus. It's like the, the camp high from students. You get back and you're going to go change the world. You're going to read your Bible every single day. You're going to share the gospel with every one of your friends. But then we're going to see how the enemy loves to use that heart too, the ones that aren't willing to really go deep. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes as well. The third ground is the thorny ground. I want to call this the conflicted heart. This heart is actually a motivated person. Very, very ambitious, typically. Very gifted. Very successful, normally. Maybe even a workaholic. Loves to work. Loves to work hard. Loves to go far. Very motivated. Very ambitious. Maybe materialistic. Loves nice new things. Loves that status of success. Loves to climb the ladder wherever it is. It could be sports. It could be school and education. It could be promotions at work. You just want to be the best you can be. You're super ambitious. You're going to outwork everybody. Probably can be a little prideful because typically you do work harder than most people. A lot of people are lazy. A lot of people are not willing to do the work. They're not disciplined. They don't put in the hours like you do. And so you become a little prideful. This person, a lot of times, will also wrestle with self-image. They love to compare themselves to other people. It's like you might be better than a lot of people, but there's always those people you look to like, man, they're better than me, so I got to work a little harder. And so you have kind of an identity crisis, really struggling with like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? Who, who has God called me to be? So I'm just going to keep working and keep grinding and keep moving and keep outperforming everybody else. And it really kind of leads to, if we're honest, sometimes an identity crisis where we just don't really know who we are in Christ. We don't really know where we fit in the world, so we're just going to put our head down and we're going to keep moving. And we'll talk about how the enemy uses this one as well. And then the fourth one. This is the one we all resonate with, right? The good soil, the perfect soil, the rich soil, the one who receives the word. This is the good soil. I'm going to call this the healthy heart. This type of heart typically is very humble. Uh, tries to, to really think honestly about themselves, their discipline. Uh, they do what they're supposed to do. They do what they say they're going to do. Typically, this type of heart is very self-aware. Uh, they're in tune with themselves. They know their sin. They know their darkness of their heart. They can see when things are out of line. They know when they're not doing what they're supposed to do, and they've got people in their life that are speaking truth. This type of heart normally loves community, loves accountability, loves for people to, to come around them. Uh, they're typically hungry and thirsty for God, 
worshipers, love being at church, love being at the Bible studies, love being around the people of God, always wanting just more. God, if there's more of you to have, I want more. Baptize me in your spirit. Fill me up with more of your gifts and power. This person's just really, really hungry, passionate worshiper. Typically, you see holistic fruit in their life, emotionally, physically. Uh, Their relationships are normally pretty solid because they're just healthy people that do and say what they're supposed to do. They work hard and continue to try to grow, but it's in humility, and it's not comparing, and it's not some weird identity crisis. It's normally just a, a good heart that is holistically healthy, receiving the word of God. And we'll talk about the enemy towards this heart as well. So we got these four hearts. We have the healthy heart, the conflicted heart, the shallow heart, the hard heart. And hopefully as I was reading some of those things, you were thinking to yourself and identifying with a few of those. And let's be honest, we've all been all of those hearts. Amen. There's been times in our lives where we were just bitter and hard, isolated and cold. There's been those times where we were the gravel and that camp high experience, grabbed the things of God, but as soon as there was opposition, we, you know, fell back. We've all been the thorns that have been choked out by deceitful things, but I want to really just walk through these because one thing that I need us to understand is that the devil is real. Demonic forces are real, like darkness and principalities. And Paul talks in this language about spiritual warfare and that we need to be like geared up and have like spiritual armor on, that there's some things that we can do to actually fight against the enemy. But one thing that the enemy loves to do, especially in our culture today, is just make you think that he doesn't exist, not give you a holy fear. We talk about a holy fear of God all the time. Do we have a holy fear of the enemy? Do we have a holy fear that there's actually a a demonic, dark reality that wants to kill you, wants to steal from you, wants to actually rob you of every single thing that you love, wants to actually take you out of the game completely? Christian, non-Christian, he doesn't really care. He's coming hard for all of us. And what I want to look at is, is if we're honest about our heart and if the word of God is truly being sown out and like pouring out, are we actually receiving it? And are we aware of these enemies? So in the path, the hard heart, he talks about the seed lands on the path but it's so hard and it's so isolated and it's so cold and it's so anti the things of God that it's just sitting right on top of this concrete. And so the devil in this, he says, is a bird that just swoops in and just takes the word, swoops in and just takes that truth, swoops in and just steals that promise away from you. I call this the low hanging fruit for the enemy. When we're isolated, when we're cold, when we're hard, when we're opposed to the things of God, we can speak truth all day long. We can just be saturated with loving families and friends. And, but when that good seed lands on that type, the, the devil just comes in and snatches it because we don't even allow it to penetrate. In this case, I call the devil a thief. And all throughout Scripture, we see that he comes to steal, kill, rob, and destroy. And so when our hearts are hard, that's exactly what the enemy does. He just comes in and he swoops for that low-hanging fruit, and the truth never gets to settle in. On the gravel, the second kind, the, sh- the, the shallow heart, it says the, the devil, he comes like the sun. He's the persecutor here. 
or I'll just call him the hater. I'll just like that word better. He's just a hater. And what happens is, is you receive that word and it does grab quickly. You, you, your roots begin to, to go because it's just shallow ground. You have no depth to you at all. It's very rocky, but man, there is some rich soil in there and it grabs a hold of that seed. It loves the gospel. It loves that God loves me. It loves that God wants to use me to change the world. And so I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray and I'm going to share the gospel and I'm going to storm the gates of hell tomorrow. But then tomorrow comes and you show up at school or you show up at work or you show up at your kid's sports team or you show up to your favorite coffee shop and you're going to go just stand on the table and announce the gospel to the room. Well, what happens is, is the, the haters start showing up. The enemy starts persecuting us through people in our life that don't really want to hear what you want to hear. That was one of the most discouraging things about coming home from the camp high. For those of you who grew up in church, you wanted to just go storm the gates of hell when school kicked back off. You started talking about Jesus at lunch and like day one, they just shut you down. Or you go back to the office and you want to share everything about what God is doing and on that retreat that you went to or on that mission trip that you went to or at that revival we went to or that Sunday message that we heard and you begin to share the truths of God and they're like, yeah, I'm not really interested in that. Or somebody just pushes back or they begin to make fun of you. And then the more you start talking about Jesus, they actually stop inviting you to the coffee shop because they don't want to hear it anymore. They stop inviting you to those dinner parties because you're kind of like the weird Christian and kind of robbing everyone's fun now. And what happens is, is you get just a little bit of pushback and you didn't have any roots at all and you had a little bit of fruit and a little bit of excitement, but then the hater comes, the sun, and it just burns it up. And since there was no depth, there was no work, there was no discipline, you didn't cultivate a really strong-rooted faith, it just withers and dies. The last one is the thorny ground. And we'll call this one the liar. The devil in this case is the liar. This is the, this is the ground that's tainted. This is the soil that has a mixture. It's not, it's really, really rich, good soil. Lots of work ethic, lots of ambition, lots of gifts. This person is insanely talented and could actually go change the world. This person's probably successful in everything they do. Everything they touch turns to gold doesn't matter what's going on, but what happens is, is when we allow some of these other things in, it says that it, other things grow in that type of soil too. And there's these thorns that start to come up. And what happens is, in these thorns in this case, it was the deceitfulness of the riches. That's why I call him the liar. The enemy loves to just wave that carrot in front of your face. The riches of life, the American dream, chasing this, chasing that, and you'll be so motivated. You'll be so distracted that you'll be chasing the wrong things of the world. And what ends up happening is you get so busy being good at everything but what God wants you to do is it chokes out the word. You don't have time for that prayer time. You don't have time for church anymore. You don't have time to share your faith because you're moving and you're growing and your business is booming and you're chasing that degree and you're going here and there and you're doing a lot of really good things. But what happens is, is the deceitful enemy, the liar with really good things, we might even call them blessings, begin to choke out the word of God. And then you have the good soil. And the reason I love this good soil is because the enemy has no power here. The enemy has no play here. The enemy has no space here. 
Because when you're humble and when you're hungry and when you're self-aware and you have a healthy heart and you know who you are in Christ and you're just hungering and thirsting for the things of God, you're putting yourself into the work of cultivating that ground every single day. What happens when that word lands on that seed is it does go deep. And it does begin to, to, to the roots. They just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And as that fruit begins to grow, a, a large tree comes out. And it's so deeply rooted that it doesn't matter what winds come. It doesn't matter what weather comes. It doesn't matter how hot the sun is. It doesn't matter the lies because you're so rooted in truth. It just dispels all of the deception. The liar has no power there. The haters, they have no power there because you're rooted in who you are. And you're surrounding yourself with people that are reminding you of who you are. And what I also love about this type of, of tree, as it grows and it's rooted, not only can it withstand all the pressures of the world, but healthy trees begin to reproduce other healthy trees. I love y'all's mission to love God and grow people, to receive seed and sow seed. I know Jason uses that type of language all the time. We're going to receive the word. We're going to receive the seed, but we're also going to be people who sow. And we're going to continue to sow with our time, our treasure, our talent, our resources. God, if I've got it, it's yours. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, and I'm going to run after anything that you have for me. And I'm not just going to go deep in my study and deep in my prayer and deep in my personal growth, although that's huge through those disciplines and daily spiritual things. But as you begin to bear fruit in my life, Lord, I'm going to sow and I'm going to give back and I'm going to keep giving like I've never given before. And what happens is, and this is the beauty of the church, and this is one thing I love about your church, is that you're going to look up one day and you're going to look behind you and you're not just going to be this really awesome, huge tree, but it's going to be a forest of greenery. And there's going to be thousands upon thousands of people that have come to know Jesus because you were willing to do the work. You were willing to cultivate a relationship with God. You were willing to do the things that you needed to do to be self-aware, to make sure that that ground stays healthy and pure and good. This is what the church is supposed to look like. And so I want to say it one more time. Our experience of God and our influence in this world greatly depends on the conditions of our heart. So the question this morning is really, really simple. How's your heart? How's the ground of your heart? Has it grown dull when the secrets of the kingdom of God are just being poured out on you? Is the enemy just coming and swiping it away? Or are you grabbing a hold of it and, and just quickly running from it? Are you actually allowing the, the things of this world to choke out the word? Or are you doing the work to actually cultivate a heart that is receiving God's truth, receiving God's word, growing in faith and multiplying all around you. Some of us in the room, you might be hearing this and, and you actually don't get this. And I want to try to explain the best I can. But some of us in the room actually don't just need to cultivate the, the condition of our hearts. Some of us need entirely new hearts. Some of us need to actually remove the old heart and replace it with something else. And I want to read Ezekiel 36. You don't have to turn there. We'll just throw it up. It's just two verses. I love this Old Testament prophet that talks about exactly what I'm saying this morning of what needs to happen. Listen to this. 
He says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I love this. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all of my rules. And so what I want you to hear this morning, if you came in here and maybe you need a new heart, God wants to take out the old heart. God wants to give you a brand new heart. He wants to take that heart of stone and he wants to implant what he called a heart of flesh, which was soft, which was open, which was movable. It was, it was able to be penetrated. It wasn't just this stone heart. It was literally a, a heart of stone was going to be removed and a heart of flesh and not just a new heart, not just a soft heart, not just one that can grab. But he said, I'm also going to put my spirit inside of you. And I'm going to put my spirit inside of you and the spirit of God, this Holy Spirit was actually going to start to do a work in you. And so when you heard me talk about cultivating the heart and doing the work and the spiritual disciplines and the prayer and the time in God's word and all those things, here's, let me just be honest with you. You don't have what it takes to cultivate the good soil of your heart. But the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus, he came. He lived the life you were supposed to live. He died the death for the penalty for our sin is death, and he then took your place. The perfect lamb hung on a cross and died for the sins of the world. And when he died, they buried him in a grave, and three days later, he rose from the dead. The scriptures teach us that the same spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that Ezekiel was prophesying about that after Jesus's life, death and resurrection was going to live inside of you. Jesus promised that it's better for me to go because when I go, I'm going to send the spirit. I'm going to send the helper, the comforter, the counselor. And like I was walking with you, the spirit of God, he's going to be in you. Resurrection power is going to literally live inside of you. And so I love to think of the spirit as the gardener in this scene where he's keeping the weeds out. He's keeping the, the stones from coming back. He's keeping that ground from solidifying. He's breaking it up constantly through his kindness and grace and conviction, through the people of God holding us accountable, through us coming and submitting. But it's our humility that says, I'm going to walk in you, Holy Spirit. I'm not going to try my best to be a good Christian and to cultivate the ground. Because again, we don't have what it takes, but God does. Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus sent his spirit. And the gospel says for everyone who will confess with their mouth that they need him. Everyone who will believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he came, lived, died and rose from the grave. Anyone who will confess their need for him and receive the grace of God. The word says you'll be saved. That heart of stone will be removed. That flesh, new heart will be implanted inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God is the greatest gift of all that we get his presence and his power and his gifts that will actually live inside of us and begin to cultivate the heart. And then our only job is to just walk in him every single day, waking up desperate for the spirit of God. Where are we going today? Take me to your word and fill me up.
teach me how to pray today. Teach me how to worship today. Teach me how to cultivate my heart so that any bits of your word would just take root. Bring people into my life. Give me the boldness to take next steps. Help me to speak so that I can keep sowing the seed. Give me faith. Teach me, Holy Spirit, how to love you and seek first your kingdom. The Spirit, he's the gardener. He does all the work. All we do is surrender. We just walk in him. We wake up every day surrendered, walking in him. That's how we cultivate through prayer, through the word, through community, through surrender of the spirit, through missional living and sowing of seed. In Matthew chapter five, verse eight, Jesus, he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Revolution Church, do you want to see God? With a pure heart, Jesus said, that's what we get. We get to see God. And so what I want to do is if you'll bow your heads with me, I want to pray. I want to ask for the spirit of God to purify our hearts. I do want to cry out like David cried in the Psalms, Lord, search my heart. If there's anything unclean in me, Lord, convict me. Am I chasing the things of the world? Have I let bitterness, and coldness, and isolation set in? Have I not been willing to go deep and allow through submission to the process of spiritual disciplines? Am I dogmatic? Am I actually seeking truth? Have I lost the hunger and thirst for righteousness? Holy Spirit, I'm asking for you to do a work in this room this morning. Overwhelm us with your presence. There's two people I want to pray for in the room this morning. Number one is maybe somebody who, when I said, maybe you're here and you need a new heart, you said, man, that's me. My heart doesn't seek after the things of God. I don't know if I have faith at all. I want to just give you an opportunity today. This sounds too good to be true. But the word says the penalty for our sin is death. Because of our separation from God, we're just destined for death and darkness. The word says, because of his great love, he sent his only son, Jesus, that Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus ascended into heaven and he sent his spirit. He gave us the revelation of his word of who Jesus is and the power of the gospel, that it's the power to save. And the word says that in our hearts, in this moment, in the seat where you're sitting, if that's you, it says if you will confess your need for God, if you will believe in your heart that Jesus is God, that Jesus lived and rose from the dead, if you will confess that you need him and receive the grace of God. The word says that he'll save you right here today, that he'll take that old heart out and give you a new and fill you with a power that you've never experienced before, a perfect, righteous, holy light that you've never experienced before. And so, if that's you, if you would just pray out to God in your own language, in your own way, you don't have to say it like I say it, but just say, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, give me faith. Give me faith to believe in Jesus and his life, his death and his resurrection. The best I know how, God, I'm calling upon your name. I'm calling upon the name of Jesus and I'm asking you to save me and forgive me of my sin. 
Give me your grace. Give me your Holy Spirit. Give me a new heart. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to be a part of your family. I want to find purpose in this life. And so, God, I'm asking for you to save me. I receive your grace. I receive the gift. I'm, I'm receiving Jesus today. If that was you, I just want to have you just look at me for a minute. As everyone else is still praying, just look at me. If you prayed that prayer, if God is stirring in you, I'm going to ask you to do something pretty bold, but nobody's going to make it weird. Would you just raise your hand and say, today I prayed that prayer. Today I received Christ. Today I asked for a new heart. Our host team wants to give you something. We got a gift for you. We want to help you take next steps. We want to come alongside you in this journey. For the rest of us in the room, just God purify our hearts. Let's just pray, God purify our hearts. Give us spiritual discipline by the power of your spirit, not by the power of our will, to cultivate the grounds of our heart that we might receive and that we might grow and that we might multiply. So however the Lord is doing business with you today, just respond in that way. Whatever your next step of faith is, the church is here to help. But we just want to end in some worship. And so Jesus, thank you for your life, death, and resurrection. Father, thank you for your love and your willing to sacrifice your son for us. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Fill us up with power. Cultivate our hearts that we might receive all that you have for us, that we might experience you, that we might have influence in the world, and that we would bear much fruit and just see you multiply your presence in the world. We love you. We pray it all in Jesus' name.